So we are uh, continuing our Kingdom Come series uh, based on the book Seek First by Jeremy Treat and how the kingdom of God changes everything and how if the kingdom of God is real and true, uh, we should be seeking it first as Jesus commanded us to. And so last week we talked about the majestic and the mundane, saying everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus, for his glory. Um, that Jesus deserves first place in everything, that he's not just a separate compartment that we kind of uh, tack on to our lives, but that he is uh, Lord of all. And so in every endeavor, every pursuit, every goal, every ambition, everything that we find ourselves doing, uh, he should be ruling over those things, and we should be acknowledging his lordship over those things. Uh, and then three, that he is reconciling everything to himself. And so even the mundane uh, the things that we find ourselves doing that we think may not matter in the grand scheme, uh, they're all impor important. They're all opportunities for faith and to respond to the world in faith. Uh, and so are, are we being responsible um, and faithful with the mundane uh, in that uh, our King Jesus can shine even in the most uh, mundane moments. Um, today's message marks a shift in the book. Um, there's a section at the beginning that's kind of kingdom perspective, and then it shifts to kingdom purpose. And so today's chapter is the first in that section, uh, going from how we view all of life, how we approach all of life with this kingdom perspective, to how do we live it out? What do we do? What's different about how we actually live, move, act, think, uh, because we are citizens of God's kingdom? Um, and I've been saying during the series that if there is a kingdom, then there must be a king. We spent a whole Sunday on our unmatchable king. Uh, well, this morning we're going to unpack the idea of following that king in how do we follow Jesus. The Bible is clear that those who believe in Jesus are called to follow him. Uh, Luke 9, verses 23 through 25, Jesus is, has just foretold his death. He's just said that he must suffer and be rejected, and killed, and then raised again. And then he says this, starting in verse 23 of Luke chapter 9. He said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, and loses or forfeits himself? So back to... Following Jesus, um, Luke nine twenty three through 25, he had said to deny, if anyone would come after him, to deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow him. Uh, and followers of Jesus in Scripture are called disciples. Uh, Jeremy Treat points out in the book that the New Testament refers to Jesus' followers as Christians only three times as believers 15 times, and as disciples 253 times. So this should clue us into the fact that claiming to be a Christian or to believe in Jesus means more than just checking a box, uh, like what you know, religion do you affiliate with, or slapping a bumper sticker on your car. Um, we're not called to be nominal or just cultural Christians. Uh, we're called to be disciples. And just like everyone has some sort of theology, meaning everybody has, um, in practicality, how they live their lives, there is some kind of view of God, even if they would say, I'm not a theologian, I don't have any religion, uh, you have decided something about what you think about God, and your life usually lines up with what you think about God. So everyone has some kind of theology. Um, everyone is also a disciple. 
to someone or of someone or of something, even if they claim not to be. Because a disciple is really a follower of someone else in order to be with them, learn from them, and become like them. Whether it's your favorite singer, author, influencer, uh, parent, educator, etc., everyone is following someone in some way. There is discipleship happening. Um, the term disciple was not new to Christianity. Jesus didn't introduce this term for his people. Um, leaders, influencers, thought, you know, uh, thought leaders back then, they all had disciples, right? Teachers, students. The idea of following someone um, in their path to become like them. But our call, not to follow singers or authors or celebrities or um, bloggers, or do they still blog? Are there still bloggers, Rob? I don't know. You're hip with the things. Influencers, yes. Influencers. Uh, TikTokers. Um, we are not called to be disciples of such. We are to be called disciples of Jesus. As kingdom people, we are to be disciples of Jesus. We're to be with Jesus, learn from Jesus, and become like Jesus. Uh, so number one, we're to be with Jesus. It can be difficult to wrap our minds around this idea of being with someone who is not physically with us. Uh, but think about how often you dwell on someone or think of someone that uh, you admire or never got to meet, right? And not just studying or learning from them, that's different, um, but thinking about them. This idea of kind of being with them or, or thinking on them, right? Setting your mind on them. Um, how often do we just think, ponder, meditate on someone else um, that we've never met, right? Just how they are and who they are. Uh, in a sense, this is being with them. And Jesus said multiple times to follow him, to be with him. During his earthly ministry, uh, people could physically be with him, doing life with him, shadowing him. It was their calling. Uh, and they were convinced that there was nothing else better to do with their lives. They knew Jesus was the end-all, be-all. They were convinced, so they dropped everything and followed him. At work, at the school, I think many of you know, uh, a lot of my day is to shadow a little friend who needs constant supervision. Uh, he often tells me that he wants me to go away. Um, and I often remind him that I can't go away because I'm doing my job and I need to be with him. Uh, I don't think I've explicitly said this, that if I had the choice, I wouldn't spend my day with him. Uh, I don't think I've told him that. I might have in a moment of weakness or frustration. Um, I would probably choose to spend my time elsewhere. But with Jesus, it's different. Right? The disciples of Jesus weren't begrudgingly following him. Uh, they willingly followed him. They knew there was no one, nowhere else better to be. Uh, Peter uh, even vocalized this. Uh, after many had turned and departed from following Jesus, in John chapter 6, verses 66 and following, uh, it says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him, meaning Jesus. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So the disciples knew there wasn't anyone better to follow, and so they were all in on following Jesus. Um, this uh, chapter or this passage of Peter acknowledging this before Jesus, uh, it reminded me of the scene from An Officer and a Gentleman, uh, I don't know if anyone in here is even familiar with that movie, but a young Richard Gere is playing mayo. He gets called mayonnaise a lot because he's like in boot camp. Uh, and he's just getting 
picked on and, and um, the drill sergeant's just really hard on him, putting him through the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. It's Louis Gossett Jr. Uh, and he just gets in his face and he's like, why don't you quit? He's like, he's driving. He's giving him every excuse in the world to quit, to walk away from this because it's just miserable, a miserable existence. Um, but mayonnaise uh, says, I've got nowhere else to go. Like just this desperation of just where he was in life. As bad as boot camp was, it's where he belonged. It's where he found belonging. It's where he could fit and find his place. And so he realized there's nowhere else in the world that I need to be or can go. I've got nowhere to be but here. And we see that in Peter, and I think the disciples, those who are convinced that Jesus is the answer, that he is the only hope in life and death, that when the world or ourselves, our doubts, whatever, say, why don't you give up? Why don't you turn away from Jesus, like many did in John chapter 6? When challenged with a hard truth, when challenged with what this is what it means to follow Jesus, are you going to walk away as well? And Peter says, we have nowhere else to go. No one else has the words of life. You are the Son of God. This is a heart convinced that Jesus is who he says he is. And so when given the option to turn and flee or go somewhere else that's easier or more comfortable or more lucrative or whatever it might be, our answer, like Peter's, should be, we have nowhere else to go because you alone have the words of life. This should be us, right, with regard to following Jesus. Notice that when someone realizes they must follow another, there's a sense of submitting to their leadership, right? If it says, you, you, you got it. I, whatever you're, you are, like, I'm going to follow you. And so if I'm going to follow you and I'm so desperate and so all in, then there's a sense of I don't get to call the shots. You tell me what to do, where to go, how to, you know, uh, what to do with, with my life, um, how I spend my time. Uh, I don't just get to kind of follow you when I want to. I realize that you should be the authority over every aspect of my life. This is what, again, Jesus said in Luke 9.23. If you would come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. There's a submission to God's lordship, to Jesus' lordship when we follow him. And following and being with Jesus is a constant reminder to seek his kingdom and deny ourselves. This is the only way we can bear fruit for him. He said in John 15 that if we remain in him, if we abide in him, only then can we bear fruit because apart from him we can do nothing. So the main aspect of following Jesus is to simply be with him, spend time in his presence. It's the first step, as I mentioned, of acknowledging his authority and laying down our lives for his will and work to be done. But disciples aren't simply to be with Jesus. We're also to learn from Jesus. We are to learn from Jesus. As we're spending all this time with Jesus, we should learn from him. He's the source of all wisdom. There's no greater person to learn from. He's wisdom personified. The main source from which we learn about Jesus and learn from Jesus is Scripture. The Bible is the most comprehensive revelation of Jesus and his ministry that we have. In it, we learn not just information about Jesus, but how to love like Jesus, his heart, his character. This adds intentionality to our abiding. As I mentioned before, we aren't remaining with him just to be in his presence, but also to learn from him. I can't remember, um, this is sad, I can't remember if it was a comedian or a pastor that told this story. Um, so either way, it was either a, a bad comedian or a good pastor, I guess. Um, but it was the difference between men and women. 
Um, and it was, uh, the, a man went golfing with his buddy and came back and it was like, okay, so how was, you know, how was Chuck? Chuck's fine. Oh, well, how, you know, how's his family? How's whatever? I don't know. Well, how's this? How's this job? I have no idea. Well, weren't you with him? Didn't you golf with him today? Yeah. She so spent hours with him. Yeah. And you didn't re- obtain any information about him at all. No. Like his golf game's okay. Like that's what I obtained, right? Whereas if two women went and spent the afternoon together and came back, there'd be encyclopedias of information exchanged between the two about their families, their jobs, their husbands, their friends, their neighbor, all the different things. Because women share more, right? And men can spend their entire day in the presence of another man and not learn from them anything at all. Okay? So there's a difference between being in the presence of someone, Jesus, and learning from Jesus. So we can't just be in the presence of Jesus. We need to learn from Jesus. And we learn from him in order to become like him. We are to become like Jesus. In Romans 8, we read that our good is to become like Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians 3, we read again that we are being transformed into the image of Jesus. In the grand kingdom scheme of things, this is God's rule through God's people over God's place. Remember, this is our definition of seeking the kingdom, for the kingdom of God. As we become more and more like Jesus, acting like him and representing him everywhere we go, all of our interactions reflect him, and his kingdom ways are manifested all around us. We become like Jesus when we spend time with him, learn from him, and then apply what we have learned. There's some really cool side-by-side videos, or maybe just one video, showing Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. And you can see Kobe Bryant doing the moves exactly like Michael Jordan did them. And you can see that this is someone who has spent a lot of time thinking about, watching, studying, and applying what Michael Jordan did. Because he said, I'm a disciple of Michael Jordan, basically. And so he spent time with him, admiring, thinking on, uh, emulating, studying, learning, practicing, and then implementing in games. And so that you can put a side-by-side video and say, these are the exact same moves. This is a student or a disciple of Michael Jordan. A few days ago, Pearl Jam had a concert in Oakland, and their drummer had to sit out. They didn't even go to Oakland with him, I don't think, because of COVID. And so to fill in for the drummer, they pulled a young man named Kai. Um, I don't think he was just yanked out of the audience. Um, I think they probably put a word out or something. But still, it's a kid who's in a band. He's maybe high school, maybe early college. And he's playing in front of this stadium full of people with Pearl Jam. And he's playing the drums and, like, doing well. He's playing the songs. And it reminded me again, this is a kid who has spent time with, studied, and has practiced playing so much that he's able to fill in for the drummer of Pearl Jam. And it was almost as if the original drummer was there, in a sense, like almost, right? It's not the full thing, but the songs sound like Pearl Jam, and the drummer's part is being played. This is how it should be with disciples of Jesus, that if we are interacting in the world, a lost and broken world, where Jesus is needed, and we are reflecting Jesus to them. We can only fully reflect as much as we can Jesus to the lost and dying world if we spent time with him, if we've learned from him, and if we're becoming like him. So that the world sees Jesus in us. 
right? So that we reflect Jesus. So that they don't look at us and say, oh, I want to be like you. That they say, oh, I see that you've learned this from someone else. This is the character and heart of someone else. It's Jesus through us. This is the idea of discipleship, right? That we'd be so familiar with Jesus, such good students of Jesus, so much like Jesus, that we reflect him. We love others like him. We encourage others like him. We point others to him so that they can say that they've experienced the love of Christ through us. This kingdom reality of being with, learning from, and becoming like Jesus will only take place if we keep the gospel central. It's not something we graduate or move past as believers. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel which he preached, we received, and we now stand in. So it's a sustaining gospel, not simply the beginning to Christianity. As Treat puts it in the book, the good news of Jesus is not only the entry point into the kingdom of God, it is the foundation for a lifetime of following the king. This good news message, this gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not something that we just use to get into the kingdom and leave it behind. It is the foundation for life in the kingdom. We need the good news every moment of every day. Not a new message, not a new gimmick, or something new to get us excited about through each day. We find the timeless, ancient solution, again, back in Luke 9. It's the cross. Daily taking up our cross and following Jesus. He didn't say take up your your table-flipping gloves or the miracle-performing abilities of Jesus, but the cross. So when we think, yeah, I want to be like Jesus, and so we say, I I, I want to have righteous anger, and I want to perform miracles, and I want to draw big crowds, and I want to do all these things. That's not what Jesus said when he said to be like him. He pointed back to selflessness, to sacrifice, to surrender, to the cross. So take up your cross and follow after him. Dying to self is the path to becoming like Jesus. This keeps the gospel central in our lives. And then the Spirit's job is to transform us. Without the Spirit, we're not being transformed into Christ's likeness. We're just, again, adjusting or modifying our behavior. So what are some things that we can do to set the stage for the Spirit to work? Not to deep dive, but just to list a few things. Um, The author refers to them as rhythms of grace. Other people might refer to them as spiritual disciplines. Uh, He mentioned um, these different practices and postures we pursue in order to see God work in our lives. Noting that the fruit of the Spirit is not something we do, but something we bear as God works in us. We want to see the fruit of the Spirit. We want to see God's character, Jesus' character in us. It's not something we conjure or effort towards. It's something that the Spirit does, and then we bear or reflect the image of Jesus. So Some of these practices are Bible reading, prayer, meditation, fasting, tithing, solitude, etc. These are um, spiritual disciplines that you'll find in many spiritual discipline books. Um, The author included other practices in these rhythms of grace, such as eating meals with others and choosing people over technology, kind of this idea of um, pursuing the kingdom in our relationships, in our priorities, right, in our schedules, that our lives are not just built on these disciplines that we do, but how we interact with others, how we live like Jesus to those around us. They're very real and practical ways to discipline ourselves in the rhythms of grace, as he puts it, uh, so that we can see God work through us and see the kingdom manifest in our lives. But it all begins 
with acknowledging that we need someone outside of ourselves to save us with this, again, this all-in surrender, this theme we've seen of, um, I use the word desperation, but that, that idea of you know this is the end of the road, the end of your rope, whatever you want to say. Like there's, uh, there's nowhere to go but up. There's no hope outside of Christ. No other option except for Christ. That's why Jesus said, again, to follow him, we have to, one, deny ourselves. It's not us. It's not within ourselves. It's outside of ourselves. Two, to pick up our cross. This continual reminder that we're denying ourselves and dying to ourselves. And three, to follow him. His plans, his goals, um, his aspirations, his purposes for our lives, not our own. We're following Jesus. So less of us and more of him. We need, as we read in Galatians, for Christ to live in us. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So it's almost this eclipsing of us. Not that we cease to exist, but that when people see us, it's Christ in us. Because we cannot help ourselves out of darkness and into the light. We cannot save ourselves from hell and into heaven. We cannot free ourselves from sin and give ourselves eternal life. We must follow Jesus. Let's pray. And Jesus, it's, it's clear what you have called us to. Simple to understand. Not easy, but simple to understand. You have called us to deny ourselves the sinfulness which is within us, the selfishness that is within us, to deny that, to take up our cross, so acknowledging that we are, are dying to self, that we are crucifying self in the old patterns, and to follow you. So that you might increase in our lives, as we read in Scripture, right? That we might decrease and you might increase in us. As Paul would say, and I mentioned already, that it's no longer we who live, but you who live in us. So that as your disciples, Jesus, that it would be evident that we have spent time with you, we have learned from you, and we are becoming like you. That we will be people that others would say of us, they have been with Jesus. They love like Jesus. They forgive like Jesus. They encourage like Jesus. They serve like Jesus. We cannot do those things if we do not spend time with you, if we do not deny ourselves, if we do not set the stage and make room for the Spirit to work in us and make us more like you. So build in us, Jesus, this, this desire to know you more, to press into you. Build in us, Jesus, this, uh, this desire to, to discipline ourselves and these spiritual rhythms, these uh, rhythms of grace, actual practices that we can implement that bring us into your presence, that, that center our minds on you, on your, on your heart, on your character. There would be students of your word. We would know what you have taught, and what you've expected, what you've commanded. 
we would know how you treat those who are uh, antagonistic, that we would know how to treat those who are hurting, that those, treat those who are experiencing loss, those who are suffering, those who are outcasts, that we know how to treat those who love us, those who are our spiritual family. Jesus, that our actions would, would remind people of you, that uh, we would become more like you, that our heart for others would remind people of you that the Spirit would work in us to conform us more and more into the image of Christ. As we seek your kingdom, may we follow you. So show us, even just little steps, how can I be more like Jesus today? How can I spend more time in the presence of Jesus today? How can I redeem the time that seems lost or, or uh, unimportant how can I turn that into time spent with Jesus or time learning from Jesus or time being more like Jesus? God, we thank you for the power and the promise to make us more like Jesus. That we might reflect Christ in a lost and dying world so that our corner of the world looks more like heaven and less like hell. that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.